And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to 5001, the Athletics Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. Joining me as ever is the Leicester City legend, former captain, Matt Elliott. Scotland legend as well. We'll be discussing that a bit later. How you doing, Matt? I'm good, Rob. Thank you. Yeah, looking forward to having a varied chat. Plenty going on as usual, isn't there? So um, loads for us to talk about. Absolutely. And to start with, we had the, uh, the defeat against West Ham. Fantastic start to the season, the three previous, which is all the talk about Leicester being top of the table, 12 goals in the first three games. West Ham coming to town, they're expected to uh, to roll the hammers over, although they came into the game on the back of a very good result uh, as well. Um, but it just didn't happen. It was, it was a strange day, a strange weekend of results, wasn't it, that one? I didn't see that coming, a 3-0 defeat to West Ham. No, and uh, it preceded some even stranger results, as you just touched on there. But I always thought the game was going to be a little bit more difficult than perhaps people would... Not imagine, but forecast really. But, you know, West Ham have had a, a a rocky close season, haven't they? And there's, there's been the usual wranglings and grumblings uh, behind the scenes, etc. And then they got off to a sticky start against Newcastle, slightly better against Arsenal. Obviously, the game against Wolves, exceptional result. Because a lot of people were lauding Wolves about you know how good a team they are, and all of a sudden they just got you know, smashed apart, really, you know, or taken apart, and. To a certain extent, so did Leicester. Um, never got going, as you said. Outmaneuvered, outmuscled, outfought. Ultimately outplayed, weren't they, by, by the visitors. And food for thought for Brendan Rodgers and, and the Leicester players. In the, in the long run, it, it may serve them well, actually. You know, that, that's trying to put a positive twist on it. Of course, you want to win the game. But it was a little bit of a, not wake-up call, because I, I, I don't think the players were were you know, arrogant enough to think they were going to stroll that game. But um, after the, the, the highs and the sort of exaltation of the Man City performance and result, it was back down to earth a little bit and showed them about that they have to be totally, as Brendan Rodgers mentioned, on top of their game to play against anyone in the Premier League and get a result. And West Ham deservedly came out on top. They, you know, they really did a job, didn't they? Um, and Leicester would have to react to that sort of approach. And uh, they came up short at the weekend. I think maybe tactically a little bit, um, but their their attitude uh, a little bit as well, as well as the technical side of it. They had an off day in that respect, but it could have helped themselves a whole lot more. And uh, as we'll probably speak about in a minute, you know, there's a few areas where they really came up short. Well, it looked like uh, West Ham did to Leicester what Leicester did to Man City the previous week. The way they set up as well, 5-4-1, the same as Leicester did at Man City, soaking up pressure because I thought Leicester looked reasonably bright first 10 minutes and Tielemans yeah. was getting on the ball and making a few passes. and But then it just seemed to start to disintegrate. And a lot of that stems from 
the conceding the first goal and the defending that set them on the back foot. And after that, it just seemed to ripple through the team in terms of the sloppiness with the passing. There wasn't wasn't the sharpness, the zip that we saw in previous games. But let's focus a little bit on that on the defending because a deep ball to the back post for the first one. Siunsu was all over the place against Antonio. He had a really torrid time against him. And then that pump over the top from Cresswell again for the second one. It was, um, it was a catalogue of, of silly errors, really. It looked schoolboyish. Not just individuals as well. It was collectively, wasn't it? They were you know, off the pace, um, certainly defensively, all over the park, really. They'll hold their hands up. They'll look at it and look to learn from it, hopefully. Easier said than done. But it always sort of amuses me a little bit when says, all oh, right, we'll learn from this. Well, it's things you should know anyway, really. You know, <laughs> I know I know. as a group, maybe they're developing, et cetera, aren't they? And reacting to certain situations and you know, where they find themselves in the league, et cetera, how form's going and how they're, how they're regarded from other teams as well, because that will affect how other teams set up against them. But they've got to be, you know, adaptable and reactive to it. Um, they weren't at the weekend. I, I, like you, I, I think they started okay. I remember I was actually doing some commentary on the game and you know, looked bright enough early on. There was a bit of a spring in the step of West Ham as well. But I, I think basically West Ham had their plan, realised that, hang on a minute, they're, they're struggling to hurt us here. You know, they're, they're popping the ball around quite nicely, but no real threat. And then they started to gain confidence, didn't they, and started posing a threat themselves. And Leicester weren't, mentally prepared for it really I don't think I think they got caught off guard didn't they you mentioned so aren't you you'd say uh, Antonio was a handful wasn't he for everyone but in particular uh, the Turkish centre half I think he's, he's used to outpowering and you know out, out physicaling for want of a better phrase um, his opponent and you're not going to do that against Antonio so again a little bit of learning curve for so aren't you I think, I think on the actual goal where you mentioned the opener um he got involved in a, a physical contest um, with Antonio, came off second best. Then he had a little nibble back at Antonio, didn't he? Gave away the foul, a little bit of dispute over there. Frustration from Sonchu, and he was still sort of muttering away to himself, I think, and thinking about that incident by the time the cross came in uh, from Cresswell, even though it had switched across the other side of the pitch. But, um, yeah, very loose defensively from Sancho in that instance. Also James Justin as well. And that sort of brings into discussion the back three, stroke back five, in contrast to a back four. Is it suitable for that type of game? It was a different scenario totally from Man City. Before the game, you thought, right, the wing-backs are going to have to you know, be more advanced, more regularly. Not that they weren't uh, against Man City, because they did get forward, but you needed to, you know, basically there's wingers who help out a bit defensively. That that was the plan of an attack, I I, I think. And uh, so the, the outside centre-halves maybe need to push in a little bit and um, be a bit more aggressive with their defending rather than just sitting back and soaking up pressure. And when that happens, I think Leicester struggle a little bit, in all honesty. I think back in the, of last season, you know, we saw it against Arsenal, one or two other teams. They get stretched and they don't look too comfortable. And as a result, say the first goal, without over-elaborating the point, I mean, James Justin, if that's a back four, instinctively you you narrow up um, in a more orthodox manner. As a wing-back, you're sort of lurking, thinking, well, the centre-halves can deal with that. Uh, Sancho didn't, so he didn't have any insurance or, or assistance then. Justin was out of 
out of sync, out of place as well. And Antonio tucked it away quite comfortably, didn't he? And then with the second goal, the punt over the top, again, Cresswell. Um, I, I think defenders got caught in two minds or between two stalls. Uh, ordinarily, you're in that back four, you, it's your man, you cover that run. I think maybe Johnny Evans has, has let Fornells run, thinking Amati's going to pick him up. Amati thinks, oh, Johnny will cover that run. And he's a little bit naive in the position, Amati, um, without being disrespectful. You know, it's a sort of learning curve for him. And they both sit, well, stood there and watched the ball, didn't they? Fornells was on his toes, made the good run from deep, and we know the rest. So, yeah, certainly very avoidable goals. And they uh, they turned the course of the game, didn't they? Matt, do you think Leicester have become a bit vulnerable to the deep ball in now, whether it's from a set player, was from a cross into the box? They, they, with Wilfing and Diddy out as well, adding that extra height, they do look a little bit susceptible. And they have done for a while uh, to the high ball. Hopefully, Wesley Fofana, the new signing coming in, big lad, only 19, so obviously we're going to have to give him a lot of time to settle in and, and, and develop under Brendan Rodgers. But um, hopefully he'll add a bit of height uh, to that rear guard. But uh, it has become a bit of an issue. Yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I remember people sort of levelling that point last season and then defending set pieces was a concern. Um, but then you looked at the stats and they actually the figures weren't too bad. But they do look a little bit vulnerable, don't they? I think I think you had two, two factors really sort of spring to mind to me, possibly three. I mean, one is they're not the biggest side, as you say, in, in general, are they? Indeed, he's out. Um, he assists whoever the two centre halves are um, ordinarily. Soyuncu is, whilst he's powerful and extremely pacey, and he's capable in the air, he's not overly dominant. You know, he's only six one, is he? You know, for a centre half, um, some people would say that's plenty. But like I say, he'll challenge and he's robust. But against anyone of any size, he can struggle a little bit. Johnny Evans decent enough in the air. Apart from that, who are you looking at, really? You know, the rest are sort of trying to do a job and, and and put off the opposition rather than actually, you know, challenging and robustly heading clearances away. Um, and I think James Justin struggles a little bit. Uh, that's something he can perhaps you know, develop in his game. Because I know a couple of times last season he, he put brave headers in and blocks, etc., at the far post, but... Just particularly when he's playing on that left-hand side, he struggles with his positioning a little bit, perhaps gets a little bit square on, and, and people have, have come over the top of him a couple of times. Chris Wood in particular springs to mind, doesn't it, at the Burnley game, but one or two other occasions. So, you know, and teams pick up on that as well, don't they? They, they put it into areas where they know your position is susceptible, and there is a little bit of a weakness there. Not the biggest team, so it's a little bit of a scramble at times. Even Smichael's not the biggest of goalkeepers. He... he you know, a wonderful goalkeeper, but he, he doesn't come out and claim that often through a bunch of, of players, does he? And uh, and, and also, so they're, they're sort of always looking at scenarios and how to defend, you know, the semi-zonal, etc., and never quite look comfortable. But um, it's an area that teams will look to expose, put it that way, and not easily, not easily resolved, is it, when you haven't got natural height in your team? Are you excited to see Fafana in action? Hopefully he will be. 
Uh, yeah. Well, he will be available, but certainly up to speed enough to, to to feature in some way because obviously the injuries have been mounting again for Leicester City. This international break might give them a chance for a few of them to, to combat, certainly Madison and Dennis Pratt. But for Fana, given a couple of weeks of training, would you uh, be looking to see him against Villa? Well, yeah, you, you assume him. I don't know, will he get game time against Villa? You wouldn't think he's a million miles off. I mean, they haven't spent that money, have they, even on a teenager for him to sit on the sidelines. He'll get plenty of um, usage <laughs> over the course of the season, I'm sure. How soon that will be or not, I don't know. Because, I mean, Evans and Sancho, they're your first choice pairing still, I think, as it stands. But he's going to make a challenge, isn't he? You certainly hope so. Um, it, all the attributes that have been um, put against him, you know, they're just very positive, aren't they? They tick a lot of centre half boxes. Uh, particularly interested to see about his, his pace, because even Brendan said he's, he's lightning quick. And if him and Sionchu were to pair up, you know, what a fearsome prospect that is uh, for centre-forwards. They're going to have to show more than just the raw pace and power against them, aren't they? They're going to have to show a bit of guile and technique. So, um, yeah, yeah. Intrigued to, to see him, though, because it's a lot of money for a 19-year-old. And hopefully it's, it's money well spent. If it is, you've got a hell of a player, haven't you? This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Well, let's talk about the transfer window then, because uh, one of the other signings. Well, let's talk about Timothy Castanay because he's uh, already made uh, a big impact at Leicester City. Didn't have the best of games, uh, but certainly the, the the previous performances were very, very encouraging from him. Uh, but we saw Cengiz Zunder, the second signing of the transfer window, young Turkish winger. Now is a guy that had been. Um, He's certainly come with a big reputation. Francesca Totti gave him a, a, a lot of praise when he was at Roma. His, his stats aren't that brilliant in terms of goals and assists, which is the area that Brendan said he wanted to um, sort of address in the transfer window and sort of certainly uh, strengthen. And when he come on, difficult circumstances to come on and make a debut, admittedly. He did look like he's going to take a bit of time to get up to speed in England because obviously the uh, the intensity of training over here, the way Brendan wants these players to train and play, is very different to the Italian approach, where which is a lot more tactical, standing around, uh, you know, doing a lot of the, the set plays and stuff like that. So it's going to take him a bit of time to come. But you seen anything that really uh, sort of sparked you a little bit from Under's little cameo? Because I thought that was probably the only real positive from that afternoon, the fact that he's got on the pitch and made that debut. Yeah, and in, in truth, his performance wasn't that <laughs> captivating. But as you say, it was difficult circumstances, wasn't it? And yeah, the fact that he's in the squad, got some game time, a lot of supporters will be infused by that because Leicester need that additional uh, strength in depth, don't they, of the squad for, for this season in particular. Um, for me, he, he seemed, I mean, it's early to make judgments. He did look a little bit off the pace, understandably so. Yeah, it was all a bit of a whirlwind for him, wasn't it, uh, the previous few days. And next thing he knows, he's, he's probably you know getting involved, thinking, that's all right, that'll do me on the bench, lovely. <laughs> nice little smooth introduction. Uh, Leicester are going well, hopefully pick up another win and, Short, sharp shot, wasn't it? You know, three nil down uh, against West Ham, and that wasn't in the script. And he's, you know, he's probably thinking, 
um, things aren't going quite to plan, and it, it, it was it was a difficult situation for him. For me, I don't know. Was there a little bit of I don't know what you think? A little bit of like Anthony Knockart about him. I thought, yeah, you know, the way he, the way he came sort of waddling on the pitch, and you know, he's quite um, low center of gravity, isn't he? Quite short, stocky, bandy legs sort of thing. He's got. He looks like he's got a little bit of devilment about him, a little trick or two, something unorthodox about him. Um, hopefully he can improve those stats in terms of goals and assists because at the end of the day that's what he's, he's been brought in for but he seems like a you know he's, he's a, an extra option isn't he and uh, I think a lot of people again with the money spent will be in the not too distant future expecting him to be in the, in the main starting lineup. I think you know, that was what most people assumed that he was purchased for to fill that or certainly compete very strongly on that wide right forward role, isn't he? Alongside, you know, with Iose Perez and Damari Gray, although Damari hasn't featured, obviously. Yeah, there's a bit of excitement and hopefully that, that excitement is justified, but it's early days for him right now. Yeah, absolutely. A bit uh, Let's look at the transfer window as a whole. Brendan said he wanted five uh, new players to come in because he thought that was the uh, the figure, certainly in terms of he wanted quality rather than quantity, but five was the, the target. They came up with three. Does that leave them now short? Have they done enough in this transfer window? They've got a hectic uh, load of fixtures coming up with Europa League um, coming up uh, later this month. And um, it's going to be a really busy time. And there's certain areas of the team where I think they still haven't quite got the, the balance right. I mean, we, we saw with Pratt missing and Madison missing that creativity in midfield. I think that was an area he probably wanted to address, just to give himself another option in there. I think Under's going to probably put Perez under pressure when he's up to speed, because Perez still is misfiring for me. So at, at times he looks like a good player, and other times he drifts out of games and he's not effective enough. At the moment, it's Harvey Barnes that's carrying the threat uh, on the other flank. So there's certainly areas in the side that uh, needed addressing. I know the priority was centre-back, and they finally got Fafana in. And hopefully he's the fix for that. But uh, I think they would have liked to have added a bit more forward firepower. Uh, what, what have you made of the business they've uh, they've done there, Matt? Pretty much go along with that. I think you, you very rarely get, as a manager, everything you want, don't you? Although Carlo Ancelotti and Frank Lampard perhaps have uh, got a case against that. But um, yeah, I, I think I think in an ideal world, it's, it's so difficult getting that that second striker that everyone's spoken about as well, isn't it? You know, at the moment it's. You know, Vardy, Iheanacho's the backup. Not always convincing. I'm not sure he convinces the the, the manager. Um, and then you also have the option of Jose Perez, who originally, you know, earlier in his career, was, he played that, that centre-forward role. And even Barnes can do a job there. I don't think it's quite as natural as the role he plays ordinarily. But but he's finding someone who's... Yes, they would get amount, a decent amount of time, but you're going to spend... A, a large amount of money on someone who only features fleetingly or invariably so, uh, instead of Jamie Vardy because he's so, you know, so clearly the main man. Um, it's a difficult one. You, you, mind you, these days there are, there are players out there who you have to be adaptable, don't you? you know, it, I think the likes of, don't get me wrong, there's not too many like him, but Aubameyang, he can play central, he can play wide, um, you know, wide-ish in that, that sort of wide forward role. It's, Finding someone like that is not easy, though, uh, and I think, I think you're right. You know, ideally, everyone's sort of thinking, "Oh, I need backup for that." Because it, it's quite clear if Vardy was to be out for any length of time, it's going to be a problem. 
it's going to be a problem, isn't it? I think, and that was probably the main sort of point of contention. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, people spoke about it. Slamani didn't actually leave the club, did he? Eventually, in the end, there was no. room. I mean, Silver has, and one or two others, or two or three others. But I don't know. Is uh, <laughs> is he? You know, is he there in the sort of on the back burner as a possible option down the line? He, I, I, depending on numbers of registration, I'm not entirely sure how it all pans out, but I suppose it would be it would be daft to ignore him and to banish him, <laughs> you know, to the far ends of the of the earth because it, it does bring something different that Leicester could probably do with at times worth considering. It would be a remarkable turnaround for him, wouldn't it? I mean, Brenda's made it absolutely clear publicly that he doesn't feature at all in his plans yeah. and. And there's still a bit of time with other uh, transfer windows uh, in Europe. In the Portuguese window is open till the 25th of October, and there's there's been interest from his former club Sporting. But whether um, that's a deal that's doable, I mean, I understand that Islam's on a fair bit of uh, money at Leicester City, and reluctantly uh, doesn't want to move on for a lot less than that, whilst he can still learn for another year because he is coming towards the twilight of his career. Yeah, he does, um, but. I suppose it doesn't bode well for him that Brendan has, you know, declared that he's not really in his thoughts. Although I suppose, you know, if he was to remain at the club, it, it does, you know, it does seem a bit remiss not not to at least consider using him. But if there's any sort of semblance of interest from his old club or anyone from anywhere, basically, you'd think it would sort of alleviate the burden. Um, in the financial sense, even if Leicester have to pay a little bit of his wages still for, you know, for him to go elsewhere and, and carry on. So, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't think it's dead in the water, any deal that, that's been mentioned. But uh, it's been a funny old time for Slamani, hasn't it? But uh, we'll see how things develop. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, let's talk about positive then. Harvey Barnes being called up to the England squad. Um, the youngster. I mean, I remember Brendan saying this at the start of the season. He said this season could be this breakthrough season in terms of of England if he continues. If he just adds, starts adding those numbers in the final third, the goals and assists, and he certainly responded in the second half of last season, uh, playing in that wide left role. Now I've done a feature on Harvey that's going to be uh, running at the weekend, um, looking at uh, his call up and his progress um, so far. I understand that it was uh, John Rudkin who took the call from the FA. And then uh, John went in and told Brendan. Brendan casually called Harvey in, had a chat about various other things and said right at the end, 
oh, by the way, you've been called up to the England senior squad. And then Harvey did replicated the exact same thing with his parents, turned up unexpectedly for lunch. When you, when you, do, when you do, you normally have lunch at the club. And I said, oh, that's interesting, he's here uh, for lunch. And then at the end of it, just basically said, oh, by the way, I've been called up to England. So he's a very sort of quiet, understated lad. He's got a bit of a streak about him. But uh, do you think it's, um, he's going to thrive on the international scene? Do you think he's a player that really is going to come to the fore? I'd like to think so, given the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, it's great news for Harvey that he's, uh, you know, he's got the call up initially, and you can imagine he's got a good chance of some involvement over over the, the next three games that are coming up pretty rapidly, aren't they? Yeah. You, you look at it, you think, you know, he's done ever so well, and then there are so many players getting a mention over the last, I don't know, twelve months or so. Um, you know, or getting involvement in the England squad. And Harvey was sort of being bypassed, and you think, you know, when's his turn going to come? No rush, though, because I think he's still in that development stage, isn't he? You know, exceptionally well that he's done for Leicester. And I'm as big a fan of his as anyone, and also pleased for him because I know him on a personal level as well, and his dad. I think there's so much more to come. Brendan Rodgers has has been quoted as saying he's a superstar in the making. And you know, when, I, when I hear that, I think well, that's some statement because you don't put that sort of tag onto someone unnecessarily, especially if you're not sure if they can handle it or not. And uh, you mentioned Harvey, he's relaxed, he's laid back, but there's a determination there. There's a, you know, there's a discipline about his application. You know, since a young lad, he's always applied himself superbly. And... I, I don't think he'll be faced by going into any environment because he's got that belief in, in how good a player he is in a, in a modest way. But for me, I, I think he can. You know, he's only going to get better, isn't he? And I think his numbers could be improved in terms of assists and goals, as everyone looks at these days, rightly so. But it, it, I, I just think when he, when he just fine-tunes his game, I think he's going to have a real player. And he's not bad already, is he? <laughs> but it's... Uh, no, it's good. That, that's what some... No, exactly, exactly. That's somewhat typical of Harvey, I can imagine. I don't, you know, know him to a level, not best mates or anything, but um, you know, you can tell what sort of character he is. I can imagine him just strolling into his parents like that and just just dropping it in. His dad will be elated because he's been such a big figure for him, uh, you know, a former professional footballer himself, scorer of lots of goals himself as well. Over two hundred in his career, didn't he, Matt? Yeah, I I see him. I haven't seen him for a little while, but I used to see him semi regular when he was involved at the academy and Harvey was there. And bump into Paul every now and then. And uh I always used to mention it before he reminded him me himself, but I was playing for Scumfort, he was playing for York <laughs> Boxing Day many moons ago, and we were told the game was gonna be off. Uh because there was a lot of snow and ice around even. It was it was that cold and uh so I didn't necessarily behave myself properly on, on the Christmas Day, Rob. <laughs> uh, unfortunately for me, the game went ahead. I was marking Paul. Paul got five. <laughs> York beat Scumfort 5 nil, and he got all five. So uh, every time I see him, I mention it before he does. But it still sticks in the throat a little bit, that one. He was a very different type of player, though, wasn't he, Matt, uh, Paul? More of a back-to-goal to sort of centre-forward. Yeah, he was a hustling, bustling centre forward as well. Pacey enough, certainly quicker than me, but you know, physically robust, uh, and a real eye for goal. He used to he was a real sort of predator. And I have seen him um a few years ago now that Harvey was playing in the youth team at the training ground, Paul was there on the side, was watching. 
and Harvey went through and started a goal in, and he said, I've, I've been teaching him, you know, one-on-one uh, situations, you know, advising him. You know, to have a little take it out of the goalkeeper's line, make the keeper move and then slot it rather than just running straight at the keeper. You know, just little tiny things. It might seem obvious to people, but not that easy to put into practice in the, you know, in, in the moment as you're bearing down on a goalkeeper. So he's been a massive influence and he'd be absolutely delighted, as will Harvey, I'm sure, despite his calm exterior. Well, talking about international call-ups, Matt, you received an international call-up a bit out of the blue uh, for Scotland. Uh, the nation of well, what is it? Your grandfather was it or grandmother? Yeah, a bit of a grandmother, precarious, bit of a precarious ruling. But my, it was my grandmother who was who was born up there, and uh, all, all her and her, oh, I think it was about nine siblings up there. I think uh, that she had, and yeah, because of that sort of tenuous link, I ended up representing Scotland in the Tartan Army uh, in the World Cup, nonetheless, although I didn't actually feature. I was just sub <laughs> on every game, which was hugely frustrating. But I was part and parcel of that opening fixture in the France World Cup in Paris against Brazil, Ronaldo and Roberto Carlos and all that, all that sort of crowd. But, um, yeah, go on. So you're going to mention about actually getting the news for my debut. Yeah, how did you get the news? What can you remember about the, the, when you got that call-up? It's a little bit vague. I think similar to Harvey, you know, getting spoken to by Harvey, Harvey Barnes, uh, sorry, by Brendan Rogers. Um, Martin O'Neill gave me the call, didn't he? I would heard little mini rumblings before because, by all accounts, I, I was I was in a provisional England squad, and Martin uh, of forty, uh, okay, but that was being whittled down to twenty eight or something for a game. Not a world, not a World Cup game, but uh, a friendly, etc. And then, but there were also there was sort of three or four players out. I think Sol Campbell, Tony Adams, and uh, I don't know Gareth Southgate maybe all injured at the time as well. And I was only just crept into the forty then provisional squad. And Martin O'Neill phoned John Gorman, who was at the time Glenn Hoddle, the England manager's assistant. And Martin said, "Look, which way do you think that should go?" And he said, "Well, if I was him, I'd go with Scotland." So I took that as a as a sign. As a little bit of a clue, and uh, I was, um, yeah, I was, I was, I was honoured and surprised to be to be asked uh, by Martin and by Craig Brown to, to join up. And before I knew it, I had my photos with the the St Andrews flag, and you know, everything was full steam ahead. And I, I remember a reporter coming down from um, Daily Record, I think it was, which is one of the papers up up north of the border, which can be a little bit. Um, I'm trying to think of the word. <laughs> I don't know. You have to be a little bit wary of him, shall we say? The reporter came tabloidy. Down and he, tabloidy. That's yeah, yeah. that's the one. Um, gave me like five questions, all you know, proper, to sort of work out and test how Scottish I actually was. And one of them was like, "When was the Battle of Bannockburn?" And I looked at him, thinking, "What the hell?" <laughs> give, give me a break here. And he he actually gave me the answer <laughs> off air. Right, so I dropped it in. I thought he was gonna. It was, I think, it was 1432 or 1342, right? Um, so I'm thinking, hang on, he's gonna stitch me up, he's gonna give me the numbers the wrong way around because I, I did it all confident. So oh, I know that one, and uh, but then he asked me different questions, I didn't have a clue, so I got them all wrong. So and then he put them out on national television later on, didn't he? Of course, that evening, and basically, they were ridiculing me a bit, so I didn't get off to a good start, but um. Things didn't improve much, actually, for me. But football-wise, I had a bit of a checkered time <laughs> off of the board. 
some good, bad, and indifferent. But uh, yeah, it was it was a massive, massively exciting time for me, and you know, I was hugely proud to to be offered the opportunity. But yeah, yeah, good times, good times. But uh, it was it was slightly. I tell you what, it does remind me just quickly. What I know, time is of the essence. Maybe is when I first got my breakthrough in professional football. Uh, similar to Harvey, I was sort of quite laid back about things. I was working on a building site, playing a bit of part-time football. I got an opportunity to play for Charlton. Long story short, Lenny Lawrence was the manager. I'm there on trial. And after a month, I got told yes or no. So I got called in the office, get told, yes, you've got a contract for one year. Sort of extended trial, if you like. It was, it was a big moment for me because it was my chance to go into football. I got the train back all the way from South East London to Epsom, where I brought up. And then I walked through the door. Mum and Dad are there. And I sat down and started watching the telly. Uh, a bit of racing on the telly or something like that. And Dad was like, you got anything to tell me? I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah I forgot. So, yeah, I, I got a contract, by the way, Dad. I'm, I'm a professional footballer now. And he was like, <laughs> you're not going to tell me, you twit. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, I was going to tell you in a bit. And he was like, yes. And he went running out to the kitchen, celebrated with my mum. Next minute, I had a pop of champagne go. And he was like, he was celebrating more than me, you know, because he's sort of... <laughs> realised the the sort of meaning of it. And I, I heard the pop of champagne. I went, oh, right, you get me involved in some of that, Daddy. Went, yeah, I suppose you can have a glass. But only one glass, mind you. And all <laughs> so it's, it's funny. How, you know, when you're in the, the, the thick of it, you maybe don't sort of notice it. It's the people on the outside who, who you know, take it to heart more, maybe. And uh, imagine Paul Barnes is like that, Harvey's dad right now. Absolutely. I'm sure he'll be bursting with pride when Harvey does eventually uh, get his first cap for England. And hopefully he'll do that between now and next week. And we can discuss that on the, the next edition of 5000 to 1. Matt, thank you very much for joining us once again. Love your anecdotes as ever. Great company as well. Uh, guys, thank you for listening and join us again next time. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.